Awesome. Good morning. I'm Brian Legg. I'm one of the, uh, the pastors on our lead pastor team here at TBA. So glad that you are here today. We're actually kicking off a new series today called I Am Jesus. And we're looking at some of the I Am statements of Jesus throughout the book of John. We're going to be taking a few weeks to do that as we lead up to Easter. Can you believe that Easter is only four weeks away? Doesn't time just fly? Seems like the older I get, the faster it goes. But I'm so excited to be here, so excited that you are here this morning as we kick off this new series. And so this morning specifically, we want to talk about the statement from John chapter 10, verse 11, where Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. It says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And I want you to notice something about it. Obviously, there's something going on here where he's explaining that he is a shepherd, and we're going to talk about that, the shepherd and the sheep and the relationship that happens between those But I want you to notice, too, what he's saying here. He makes a very distinct clarification. I am the good shepherd. He's stating very clearly for us that he is good. And he's telling us that not everyone is good. Not everyone that comes and tells you that they're a shepherd, not everyone who comes and tries to take the sheep is necessarily good. In fact, look at just ten verses earlier in the first verse of of John chapter 10. He says this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. Now, doesn't that just make sense? If somebody's jumping over the wall at your house or coming through the window instead of coming through the front door, do they have any business being there? Surely they're a thief and a robber. Just one verse before, he proclaims that he is the good shepherd. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, let's think about that a minute. Which would you choose? Death and destruction? Steal, kill, destroy? Or a rich and satisfying life? Seems like an easy choice, doesn't it? None of us want death and destruction. We want that satisfying life, and that's what he's saying that he will bring to us as the good shepherd. So I want us to do some looking at that this morning. Before we go on, though, let me clarify something for you. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. When Jesus is talking about this, in this passage in John, he's talking about being the good shepherd... He's declaring himself the good shepherd. So Jesus is the shepherd. And who are the sheep? We are the sheep, right? You can talk back. It's okay. We are the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. We are the sheep. Now, I've got good news and bad news about this. Here's the good news. We know quite a bit about sheep. In fact, sheep are mentioned 200 times in the Bible. Did you know that? Sheep are talked about over 200 times in the Bible. So we've got a lot of information about sheep. Now, Incidentally, and and this is just kind of a fun fact you can take home with you, do you know that dogs are mentioned 44 times in the Bible? Isn't that cool? I mean, most of us don't have a pet sheep at home. Anybody have a pet sheep at home? Nobody? You you just don't see sheep very often in Florida. It's not our common animal, so we probably don't know a lot about them practically. But a lot of us have dogs. I've got a couple good dogs. I love my dogs. I hunt with my dogs. My dogs are good pets. They're great. Now, For you cat lovers, of which I am not, do you know how many times cats are mentioned in the Bible? Zero. None. Unless you want to talk about where it discusses the lion. But in that case, talking about a lion, which is in the cat family, he's actually talking about Satan, and he's kind of saying cats are evil, essentially, right? Okay, now I've offended at least half of you, I'm sure. Maybe 75% of you. Let's move on. Sheep. There's 200 mentions of sheep in the Bible, so we know quite a few things about sheep. 
But what are some of the things that we need to understand about sheep? And I want to walk through those. Here's the first thing I want you to know. And this is the bad news. I told you the good news we know about sheep. The bad news is this. Sheep are stupid. Plain and simple. Sheep cannot be trained. They are stupid animals. You'll never see a sheep in the circus. You'll never see a sheep do tricks. They don't do it. They're not trainable. They are just not smart animals. In fact, sheep only know one trick. You know what that is? They know how to play dead. But in order to get them to do it, you have to shoot them. And that only works once. Seriously, sheep, this is how sheep are. And Jesus is comparing us to sheep. He's saying he's the shepherd and we are sheep. You can look to the person beside you and say, Jesus just said, you're stupid. Don't do that. That won't end well. But seriously, that's how it is. He's comparing us to sheep. And if we know us, we know there are moments where we go, yeah, that was stupid. Yep, I didn't do very good there, don't we? Let's talk about some of the specific challenges of being sheep. The first one is sheep get lost easily. This one's kind of obvious. If you even watch sheep on TV as shepherds are trying to work with them, what do sheep do? They just kind of wander around, don't they? They walk wherever they want to go. They go wherever there's grass. They're just following their nose, following their mouth. They want to make sure that they're eating. They don't really pay attention to anything else around them. They do their own thing. And so they wander around and they get lost easily. How many of you get lost easily? You get lost going to the grocery store. You get lost coming to church on Sunday morning. It's just one of those things you do. It's easy and it happens. Sheep get lost easily. The second thing is sheep are defenseless. Now this is interesting to me. I had never really stopped to think about this until I was studying this past week. But sheep are completely defenseless. Every other animal that I can think of in the animal kingdom has some kind of defense mechanism. Some have these great big teeth and they can just tear into you. Some animals have claws, and some of you cat lovers are thinking, yeah, my cat would claw your eyes out, right? They all have these defense mechanisms. Some run fast. Some of them fly really well. Some of them are able to escape and evade, or they can change colors and blend into their surroundings. Some, like possums, even play dead. And it's all of their defense mechanisms that they've learned. A sheep has no defense mechanism. They can't hit you. They can't kick you. They don't bite. They don't do anything. They're completely defenseless. And they are 100% dependent upon the shepherd to keep them safe and to protect them. See, I think it's similar with you and I. We are actually 100% defenseless on our own against the attack of Satan, against evil in the world. And it's only because of our good shepherd that we are protected. And we'll talk about that more a little later as we go. The third challenge is this. Sheep are extremely stubborn. You know any sheep like this? Do not look at your spouse. Do not point fingers. Sheep are extremely stubborn. Sheep are so stubborn that if they get wedged between two rocks, they won't back out so that they can get out of the predicament. They will continue to push and push and push and get more and more stuck and wedge themselves tighter and tighter in between the two rocks, trying to push through because they're so stubborn they've refused to back up. Sheep are stubborn. You know some people like this. You've watched them try to wedge between the rocks and just keep pushing. And you go, there's no point here. Some of you have done this. The reflection in the mirror right now doesn't look so good, does it? Sheep are stubborn. And the last challenge I want to tell you is this. Sheep are filthy. And you go, wait, I've seen sheep. They're, They're these beautiful white animals. They've got all this nice fluff and fleece, and we get our wool clothing out of it, and they're beautiful. You've obviously never been around a sheep. Sheep are ugly, disgusting animals. 
They are filthy. When you see them on TV and they're beautiful and white, that's because somebody pressure washed them before they put them on TV and poured bleach over them. And then they photoshopped the picture to make it look better. Sheep are not that way. They are nasty and dirty and constantly covered in mud, and sheep have no way to clean themselves. You know, your cat, your dog, your other animals, they have these God-given methods. They'll lick themselves, they'll do whatever it takes, they'll clean themselves, they'll run through the pond, whatever they got to do. Sheep don't do that. Sheep have no way of cleaning themselves. See, I think it's the same for you and me. Because we're inherently not good. We're inherently filthy people. We're dirty. When you compare us to God in his sinless, perfect form, we are dirty. We're filthy. And we have no way of cleaning ourselves. We can't do anything about that. And just like sheep need a shepherd, you and I need a savior. And that is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that we have a savior. And he's come to us and he said, here I am, I am your good shepherd. I lay down my life for you. I'm willing to sacrifice my life for your life. So that when you stand before God, he sees you as good. He sees you as clean. That is the good news of the gospel. So let's recap what we've learned so far. Jesus is a good shepherd. We are sheep, which are stupid. And cats are evil. We've, we've got it all covered. Let's go home, right? In all seriousness, I want to take the rest of our time this morning to talk about some of the qualities of the Good Shepherd and how they apply to our lives and why it makes a difference in our lives. So let's look at some of those together. Four qualities specifically that are life-changing qualities of the Good Shepherd. And these are things that we need to know and apply in our own lives. The first is this. The Good Shepherd guides. The Good Shepherd guides us. If you're filling in your blanks, I tried to make it clear this morning. Underline them and everything so you can follow along. The Good Shepherd guides. And we're going to be looking at Psalm 23. I want to look at the first three verses here. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. The good shepherd guides. It says he guides us along right paths. He leads us where we're going. Now when I think about a shepherd guiding, the first thought that comes to my mind is a shepherd walking up to a pen and sending his dogs in to corral the sheep. You know, circle around them and bark at them and, and be crazy and get them all in a big circle, kind of like you herd cattle, and then move them out. And, and he's got this, this working dog, right? Or some of you may think of the movie Babe. You remember Babe? The movie where the pig goes in, Bah, ram, you. He's got the code and he can talk to the sheep and he trains them. Except we already learned that sheep are stupid and they can't be trained. So neither of these work. So let's see how he talks about the shepherd in John 10. Says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. That's a little different picture than what I imagined at first. He's not using some special whistle or horn. He's not having to beat the sheep to corral them. He's not having to yell at them. He's not having to do anything crazy. He just goes to the gate and he calls them by name. And they recognize his voice. And they follow him. And then it continues to talk about how he leads them in that way. As they leave the corral, as they leave the pen... He walks along and he talks 
and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And they won't follow anyone else because they know his voice and they know that he is their shepherd. So the question then I would have is, how well do we know his voice? How well do we know his voice? If that is how the good shepherd is calling his sheep and Jesus is our good shepherd and we are the sheep, how well do we know his voice? Do we hear him when he calls to us? Are we following along, following after his voice? Because, see, I think a lot of us would go, well, I have trouble hearing the voice of God. You ever said that? You ever felt that way? Here's the interesting thing. I think most of the time when I say that, if I'm really being honest, it's not that I don't know the voice of God. It's one of two things. Either I don't want to hear what he's having to say at that point because it's not my way, or I'm just not stopping long enough to listen. How many times do we just rush through and try to fix it and try to do it and try to figure it out and we don't even stop to listen to the voice of our shepherd? I think it's that way often. And so if you're telling me that you can't hear his voice, I would ask you two questions. And the first is this. Do you know him? Do you really know your good shepherd? Are you in relationship with him? Have you chosen to follow after him? Have you chosen to make him Lord and Savior in your life? And then the second I would ask you is this. What are you doing to build that relationship and to be able to hear his voice and understand his voice more clearly? See, I think God speaks to us in a lot of different ways. Sometimes he speaks to us through his word. Just very clearly, we read things and he's speaking to us and we read something about us or we read something about him and we have new understanding of him and it's what he uses to speak to us. Some of you would go, well, I just want him to speak audibly to me. I want him just to tell me. Well, me too. And he, surely he can. I know he can. But I've never had that experience. Maybe some of you had. And God bless you if you have. But I think God often speaks through his word. I think he often speaks through other people, others who are following him. And he gives us good counsel through other Christ followers. He confirms things in our spirit through things that they say. And he speaks to us in that way. I think God sometimes just speaks through silence. When's the last time that you were just quiet before God? Did you just stopped everything, got rid of all the distraction around you, and just sat and listened for his voice? Because I can tell you, in, in this world, in this society, that doesn't happen real often. It's hard for us to just sit and listen for God's voice. But I think he speaks that way most often, but we have to be trained to know his voice. Let me give you an example. I know my wife's voice. I know it very well. I can pick my wife out in a crowd. I can be talking to somebody on the phone, and she can be in a crowd in the background where you are, and I can pick out her voice in that crowd because I know her voice. You could turn me loose in a room with a hundred women who are all talking, put a blindfold on me, and I could find my wife just by listening for her voice. Promise you I can. And I guarantee she'd be talking so I wouldn't have any trouble finding her. Don't any of you tell her I said that. I don't think she's in here right now. But seriously, I know my wife's voice because we're in relationship. Because we know each other. We know each other intimately. We've been talking for a long time. I've heard her voice many, many times. I've been trained to recognize her voice and I know it. And so it's easy for me to pick that out. And it's no different with God. We know his voice when we spend time in relationship with him when we spend time learning to listen to his voice, when we train, essentially, to hear his voice. 
but it takes that constant relationship and that intimacy in order to build that and to help us to hear his voice and to be able to learn in that way. So the good shepherd guides. The second thing I want you to know this morning is the good shepherd provides. The good shepherd guides and the good shepherd provides. Let's go back to Psalm 23 there at the beginning again. Same scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me beside peaceful streams. There's some key words there. All and need. I have all that I need. Everything that I need. But the key word there is need. I have everything that I need. Not necessarily everything I want. Not necessarily every single little tiny desire of my heart that may be selfish or outside of God's plan. But I have everything that I need. There's something else that I want you to notice though here as we talk about his provision. It says he lets me rest. He lets me rest in green meadows. Now he's talking about sheep here. And you may not realize this, but it's hard to get a sheep to rest. Did you know that? It's hard to get a sheep to settle down, especially lay down and actually rest. And for a sheep to rest, they need three major things in their life. The first thing is they need to be satisfied. They need to be well fed. They need to have their hunger taken care of. And so the shepherd's responsibility is to lead them and guide them and make sure that they have grass and that they've grazed and they have all the pasture that they need so that they're well fed. And that's taken care of. And aren't we the same exact way? We need to be well fed. We need to be satisfied, both physically and spiritually. Jesus says he's our daily bread. He feeds us. He satisfies our hunger. The second thing a sheep needs is they need peace. They need peace within relationship. They can't be in conflict with the other sheep or they're not going to rest. Some of us listen to that and we go, man, I need the good shepherd to come into my house and create some peace, to fix some broken relationship." to fix some conflict that is there, don't we? But that's part of what he provides to allow us to rest. So we're well-fed, satisfied, we have peace. And then the third thing sheep have to have before they'll rest is they have to feel safe. They have to feel secure. They have to know that they have protection, that nothing's going to happen. In fact, when you look at how shepherds handled their sheep, especially in the day of David as he's writing this psalm, Often they would bring them into a corral or a pen, and sometimes it would just be like a rock formation that they'd bring them into, so surrounded by rock, and there wouldn't even be a gate to the corral. In fact, a shepherd would lead a sheep into this area to where they're protected with rock around on all sides, and then that shepherd would lay down across the entrance to that area. And so he's providing protection for them. He's saying, if anything's going to come in here, if there's a predator coming after you, he's got to come through me. And he'd lay there with his staff and his club, and he was ready. He was going to protect the sheep, and he gave them safety and so they could rest. And it's the same that he does for you and I. Because we have no protection against the enemy on our own, but with our good shepherd, we are protected. I think the other thing that's interesting in this passage is how it talks about he leads me by peaceful streams. You know, we read across that, and it sounds nice, it sounds tranquil, it sounds quiet but you don't realize how important that is. See, a sheep won't drink from a rushing stream. You take a a sheep up to a rushing river and they won't go anywhere near it because they're scared to death. And think about it. Here's a sheep that's defenseless we already talked about. The sheep walks down to a rushing river to take a drink and they stumble and they fall in. What do you have? A floating cotton ball. Down the stream it goes. Gone. They're defenseless. Sheep won't drink out of that. They're scared to death. But when a shepherd leads them to a gentle stream, that's where they get fresh, 
clean water. The water's moving, but yet it's peaceful. And it's slow moving. And they are calm and they're comfortable. And Jesus does the same thing for us. He calls himself the living water. Then when we drink from him, we'll never be thirsty again. He leads us beside those peaceful streams that we can drink. So the good shepherd guides. The good shepherd provides. Third thing, the good shepherd corrects. Oh, here we go. Here comes the challenge of the day, right? I couldn't let you down. I had to make sure I kept it in there. The good shepherd corrects. But I want you to hear today that the good shepherd corrects because he loves us. And there's more that goes into it than we sometimes realize. In fact, I want us to look at the book of Job this morning to talk about this. And it may seem kind of an interesting jump, but think of Job. If anybody understood this, it was Job, because he went through some hard times, right? Job chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. But consider the joy of those corrected by God. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when you sin. For though he wounds, he also bandages. He strikes, but his hands also heal. That's an interesting picture that's painted. And I don't know that Job was thinking about the relationship of a shepherd to his sheep when he wrote this, but the words he chose sure represent it very well. Do not despise the discipline, for though he wounds... He also bandages. He strikes, but his hands also heal. A shepherd's responsibility is to correct his sheep and to keep them together and to make sure that they are protected from harm. And you know, often, especially a little lamb, when they're first born and they're young, they don't know any better. They don't know to stay with the sheep. They don't know the shepherd well yet. And they don't know to listen to his voice and stick around him. And so they'll wander off. We talked about that's one of the challenges of sheep. They just wander. They go do their own thing. And so a little lamb will wander off. And when they do... They're in harm's way. They're just asking to be eaten by a lion or a bear or be attacked. And so what will the shepherd do? The shepherd will take that club, the same club that he uses to defend the sheep, the same one that he fights off lions and bears with, and he'll bring that club down across that little lamb's leg. And he'll strike the little lamb and he'll break his leg. And you go, oh, no, he can't break the leg of that little lamb, that, that poor thing, that, that's cruelty to animals, Right? You see, the shepherd breaks the leg of that little lamb to protect it so that it can't wander off, so that it can't go away. And he doesn't just leave the little lamb there after he breaks its leg. He'll pick that lamb up and he'll put it around his shoulders. And he carries it. And he talks to it. And he bandages that leg and he makes sure that it heals and it has all of its needs met. And the whole time he's speaking to it and he's sharing with it and he's building relationship with this little lamb. And by the time that little lamb's leg has healed, And he puts it down. That lamb's not going anywhere. That lamb knows his shepherd. He trusts his shepherd. He has learned his voice because he's been hanging around his neck for all this time listening to the shepherd speak, listening to the shepherd talk to the other sheep, listening to the shepherd talk to him. And he feels safe and he feels provided for and he feels protected. And while the shepherd was the one who broke his leg and hurt him, he was also the one who made sure that he was taken care of. And I read that and I think about that and I go, how many times are we the same way? How many times do we have a a broken leg and we feel broken and we're going through hard times and in reality it's just God correcting something in our lives because He sees the danger that lies ahead and He sees the direction we're going and He's trying to keep us from something greater, some other greater danger that's out there. And in the midst of it, we often just look at it and we go, oh, God, why did you let this happen to me? 
But what if in reality, he's allowing that to happen to us because he's trying to protect us from something worse? We hardly ever stop and think about it that way, do we? God corrects us so that he can protect us because he loves us, he cares about us, he has our heart in mind. We talked about this a few weeks ago, this concept of discipline or correction from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It says no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. Discipline hurts. It doesn't matter whether somebody else is disciplining you or you're disciplining yourself. It hurts. It causes physical pain. It causes emotional pain. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. When the good shepherd corrects us, he is training us and teaching us and bringing us to a point that we need to be. He's doing something special in our lives. So, the good shepherd guides. The good shepherd provides. The good shepherd corrects. And lastly, the good shepherd protects. We've already led into this. The good shepherd protects us. He wants what is best for us. Go back to Psalm 23 with me. Let's look at the rest of this chapter. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. That same rod that he used to break that little lamb's leg is the rod that he uses to fend off the bears and the lions and to protect the sheep and to make sure that they are safe and secure and they feel protected. He protects us in that way. In verse 5, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Wow, that's a bold statement of protection. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies while they're watching, while they're right there close. We can sit down and have a feast because it's safe. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Now, just the words alone I love here. And this is David talking, and he gets this. He was anointed with oil. He had oil poured over his head when he became king. So he gets it. He felt that honor. He knows how God's worked in that way. His cup overflows with blessings. That's a great word picture. My cup overflows with blessings. But when you step back and you understand some of the context in this day and time, there's an even deeper meaning within some of this. When you look at the context within the shepherd and the sheep, the oil being poured over the head has a whole different meaning. Did you know that the shepherd used to pour oil over the head of the sheep? They would pour oil over the head of the sheep because it worked as an insect repellent. And in the area where most of these sheep were grazing, there were tons of flies. And flies would end up, and this is gross, I'm sorry, but you've got to hear this. Flies would crawl up the nostrils of the sheep, and they would lay eggs inside their nostrils. And then the fly would disappear, but those eggs would later hatch. And here's all these larvae, or maggots. We'll call them larvae because that sounds better. It's a little cleaner, right? The larvae would hatch. And not all of them would crawl south and come out of the nostrils. Some of them would go north. And they end up up in the sinuses of the sheep and up in the head and even in the brain area. And it would literally drive the sheep crazy. You could see sheep banging their heads up against the rock, trying to get it to stop, trying to get that annoyance to go away because there's something crawling inside their head. Can you imagine? And so the shepherd would pour oil over their head and it would act as an insect repellent. It would keep those flies from going into their nostrils. It would keep the flies from laying eggs and it would protect the sheep. And in a way, I think David is alluding here that God cares so much for us that he doesn't just provide for the big things. He's worried about the little annoying things too. He's worried about the insects and the little things that bother us in life and he cares for us that greatly. The picture with the cup. My cup overflows with blessings. In David's time, it was a long-standing tradition that when you went into the house of someone, you would be given a cup of wine. 
And you would sit and you would drink and you would talk to the master of the house and, and you would have conversation. And as long as they continue to pour wine into your cup, you were a welcome guest at that home. You could stay there. You could continue to drink and you could continue to have conversation. You could continue to spend that time with them. But when your cup ran dry, that was the homeowner's way of telling you, hey, welcome's over. Time for me to go to bed. You stay too late. Get out. We're done. It was a really nice way of saying that. And they would just quit pouring wine in the cup. They'd quit refilling it. And so you knew, hey, time for us to go home. But look at what David says. My cup overflows with blessings. He's saying I'm always welcome in the house of my good shepherd. I'm always welcome in the house of God. He's just not just refilling my cup of wine. It's overflowing. It's pouring over the brim. He just keeps pouring, keeps pouring, keeps pouring. I'm always welcome. Isn't that a great picture? And then the last verse, verse 6. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I love the picture painted here. Your unfailing love. We can't even imagine that. We can't understand unfailing love because our experience in life teaches us that love fails us. Every person we've come in contact with, every love we've ever experienced here on earth has failed us at some point. There's been something that has happened that has broken that. And so it's hard for us to comprehend. But he says, his unfailing love will pursue me. He'll come after us, will pursue us all the days of our lives. Jesus tells a parable in Luke 15 about the sheep. And he says, if a shepherd had a hundred sheep and one wanders off, he would leave the 99 and he would come after that one. Think about that. That's how much God loves you. That's how much Jesus, the good shepherd, loves you. That he would leave the other 99 sheep and come looking for you, that one lost sheep. Think about it this way. Let's make it a little more personal. What if? What if everything that's happened in your life up to this point, what if everything that's been said here this morning, what if all of this story that we've unpacked and all of these things that we've read and looked at and talked about this morning, what if the worship today, what if the baptism happening today, what if all of these things were done just for you? What if you're the one, the one sheep that has wandered astray? Hear me clearly, God loves you that much. He loves you that much that even though you look at sheep and you realize sheep are stubborn and sheep are filthy and sheep are stupid animals, and you go, okay, that's me. But God loves us that much that he still pursues us with an unfailing love. He cares that much about us. And what if he did all that just for you today? It's as simple as saying, I'll listen to your voice. I'll invite you into my life. I want to have a relationship with you, and I want to follow after you. Speak and teach me to listen. Teach me to hear your voice. I want to encourage you to do that this morning, if that's you. Maybe you're sitting there this morning and your palms are a little sweaty or your pulse is racing a little bit or you feel a little bit nervous. That's God speaking to your heart. It's the Good Shepherd's voice that you're hearing. And he's asking you to simply follow his voice. It's, it's him coming to the gate and saying, come. He's calling you by name. Follow me. Go with me. He's not sending in dogs to corral you, even though I may seem that way at times. He's not sending in some crazy pig with a code. He's just coming to the gate and talking to you. Calling you by name and inviting you.
I've asked uh, Tim and Joni to come up this morning. They're going to come and stand over in this corner. Band, you guys can come on. And, and I know it's, it gets distracting when people start walking forward and you're seeing people come around, so please stay focused for just a minute because I want you to hear this. But I've asked Tim and Joni specifically to come because they are a huge part of our ministry team here at TBA. Joni um, works in the office with us, is on staff, and, and she really is the one who helps our pastor team keep our heads screwed on straight. So if you know us very well, you know how big of a job she's got. Tim works, uh, Tim works with her. Tim is married to her, and Tim works as our men's ministry leader here at TBA. But they are, have accepted a new challenge for something called Next Steps. And you've been hearing about this for a few weeks. Um, a couple months ago when we put out our vision statement, we talked some about it. But Next Steps really is a new ministry where we are trying to develop a way to help each person in our church family take the next step in their journey, whatever that may be. Whether you're accepting God for the first time and trying to explore what that relationship looks like, or whether you've been following him for 100 years and you're trying to figure out what's my next step on this journey. And Tim and Joni are beginning the process of starting to transition into that role and to build a team around them and, and, and to start helping our church family take some of those next steps. And so I want to challenge you this morning that if you're sitting there and you're hearing God speak to you, that you take that next step today, that you choose to follow him in relationship and that you would respond and come and talk with Tim and Joni and allow them to pray with you, but not just pray with you, allow them to help you understand what that looks like and what that means and what it means to take that next step to give you some more information and to take down your information so that we can walk with you because we want to do that. For some of you sitting here this morning, you go, ah, I hear the voice of the shepherd. I started that relationship a long, long time ago. I know that. But, see, the reality is we're still sheep. And we still wander. And we still wedge ourselves between the rocks sometimes and push and push and push, getting stuck worse instead of backing up and listening to the voice of our shepherd. And so maybe this morning you just need to recommit that relationship and recommit to hearing his voice clearly. Maybe you need to commit to spending time in his word and praying or to just sitting silently to listen to his voice. I would encourage you to do that this morning. And if that's you, maybe grab somebody that's beside you. Just come and kneel here at the stage and take some time to pray. We'd love for you to take that next step as well. The shepherd is here this morning. He's speaking clearly. Will you listen and will you follow his voice? I'm going to pray and then the band's going to play and I would encourage you to come. God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the amazing things you're doing in our midst. God, I thank you for how you're always at work. I thank you for the different things that we have been reminded of this morning or maybe even heard for the first time about how much you love us, how much you care for us, how you want to guide and protect us. God, I pray that we would take those things to heart and we would clearly hear your voice and that we would respond in obedience today. It's in your name we pray.